Hey, hi, hello. Welcome back to the second episode of 10-0, where true crime meets paranormal. How we doing? You doing good? Better than last time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, last one was a doozy. Yeah. Good first one, I think. I'm kind of excited about switching it up and doing true crime this time. Yes. So, I'm Caitlin. I'm Maria. And I'm going to be starting us off today. And this date in history is May 21st, 1992. Long Island Lolita is arrested. Amy Fisher, the so-called Long Island Lolita, Lolita, is arrested for shooting Mary Jo Buttafuoco on the... <laughs> I can't say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> not to make fun of somebody that's dead i apologize for that i can't with that name so i'm sorry go ahead so she shoots mary joe on the front porch of her home fisher only 17 at the time of the shooting was having an affair with Mary Jo's 38-year-old husband, Joey. Oh, thank you. It became a tabloid and talk show fixture. Oh, I'm sure. The source of three television movies and countless jokes. Mary Jo survived the attack, but was left with a bullet lodged in her head and a partially paralyzed face. Fisher pled guilty for the shooting, was ultimately convicted of assault and received a 5 to 15 year sentence the following year. That's it. Mary Jo called her a prostitute and seemed to think her husband was blameless. Um, the courts were less forgiving. It tango, friend. It does. Um, Joey was convicted of statutory rape and received a six-month jail sentence. Six months for statutory rape. Fucking bullshit. Why? Okay. He was sentenced to be free. Fisher claimed that she had been raped by guards and filed a $220 million lawsuit while she was in prison. Get it. But the judge received the complaint and said that it read like a cheap dime store novel, according to my sources. That's not a slap in the face. Um, Fisher also claimed that her defense attorney, with whom she was having an affair at the time, coerced her into pleading guilty. This line of appeal was not very successful, but Mary Jo had a change of heart and eventually helped her get out of prison. After taking anger management courses, Fisher wrote to apologize to Mary Jo, who later appeared at her parole hearing and forgave her. Fisher was released on parole in May of 1999, serving only seven years. For attempting to kill someone. Uh Uh-huh. For sleeping with her husband. And the person who- For attempting to kill a minor. Yeah. First well, living with no. 17? Fisher was 17. 
Fisher is the one who shot Mary Jo. Oh, yeah, completely misunderstood. Yes. So Fisher was the Long Island Molita. Oh. And she shot Mary Jo while she was having an affair with her husband. Well. Yeah. Interesting turn of events. Well. So, I'm going to talk about a story that was brought to mind by one of my friends. Uh, I had never heard of this place in my life. Um, and it's the bodies of Leakin Park in Baltimore. Since 1946, 79 bodies have been found. Oh, I'm sorry, 79? 79. The last was found in 2018. I'm sorry, can we take a moment to appreciate 79? 1079? Foreigner. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm an idiot. Squirrel, shiny. Well, things. I mean, it fits. It's fine. I mean, we are talking about 10 0. <laughs> Our life revolves around <laughs> 10 goes. That's fine. So, many of the bodies that have been discovered have no known killer. Um, so it's not the same person that we know. No, it is not the same person. Um, however, we'll dive into a possible serial killer in a little bit. Um, the youngest recorded fatality was an infant. According to the Baltimore Sun on November 13th, 1991, a call came into the police department advising of a bag with bloody objects near it, near the roadside as the caller was driving. Inside was a female infant's body wrapped in towels, then wrapped in two plastic bags. The infant's umbilical cord was still attached and appeared to be full term. Yes. Um, still shitty. Very shitty. The oldest was discovered in 2006. Freddie Thornton was found on December 23rd wearing only his boxer shorts and had been stabbed 37 times. He was 69 years old. Was 69 year old? So he gave he gave the 69 year old Yes. He gave police Freddie Thornton's ID and identified himself as such. Um, he was only issued a ticket at the time. And then the following day, so that happened on December 26th. And then December 27th, he was also charged with murder after the fact. You have a dead man's um, ID. Right. The female was released one month later, having nothing to do with it. Not sure why it took him a month to release her, but she had a warrant. For a first-degree murder for murdering him. For murdering Freddie. Yes. Uh, okay. When it wasn't actually her. Right. Okay. Okay, so forward to 1982. Children playing found the body of 26-year-old Joyce Ann DeShields partially clothed and strangled. She was identified by fingerprint. 
To this day, it's believed that she was murdered by a serial killer. Five homicide victims were identified in the area and their cases were oddly connected. Dorothea Martin, 31, was choked to death. Jacqueline Hollis, 24, was strangled with wire. Vedante Martin, 20, was found nude and choked to death. And Laverne Duffy, 21, was nude and choked to death. Twelve other cases were also questionable and had similarities, but they weren't in Leakin Park, so it's not part of what I discover. Um, but the difference between the other 12 and these five, the first five, there was no cause of death determined with these 12. So it was like, from what I read, right? <laughs> but with the other 12, they weren't found in Leakin Park, so they didn't fully fit the MO. However, they were close enough. They were strangled. They were um, either found nude. A couple of them were even found like hidden in sheds. Um, but they have never found the killer. Do I believe that it's a serial killer? Absolutely. <laughs> There's so, too many similarities. Were these bodies buried? Or Some of them are like this next little excerpt from it. The same person did all of it. Just like with the serial killer, I'm pretty sure the same person did all of it. Um, but there are a few that are just kind of, like I'm kind of letting them call out to me and see which ones I need to cover. Um, so fast forward only six years, I believe. Nope, that was 1982. My bad, we're going back in time this time. <laughs> in 1968, Reginald Vernon Oates murdered four boys, ages five through 10, mm -hmm. on Stokes Drive in Lincoln Park. Several children of a man making sexual advances towards them um, on April 19th, the bodies of four boys were found beaten and mutilated in the woods. They were found after two law enforcement officers had chased and arrested Oates. And in his possession at the time were two brown paper bags. One contained the genitals of three young boys. Oh. A lunchbox that contained a sock, a hacksaw blade, a table knife, and a piece of metal with one end that ended up like shaping almost like a claw. Well, thank you. Yeah, creepy. And, and the fact that he's. Why do you think okay, so, need to carry around little boy genitals in a paper bag? Right. And me being the person that I am and watching all of these unsolved mysteries, watching how people get away with stupid shit. Because that's what this is. This was complete and utter disgust. It never should have happened. They were fucking kids. Um, 
why why put them in a paper bag if you're carrying around a lunchbox? Right, the paper bag is going to get wet with blood. Right. It's going to be so, a different color, and it's going to start dripping, and then it's going to fall apart. Exactly. Anyway. And that's just how my brain works. <laughs> um, I mean, same. He, he was also carrying, I believe, a suitcase. But it, not put him in the suitcase. It wasn't, it wasn't disclosed, like, what was in the suitcases, or the suitcase. Um, Oates was charged after a lineup at police headquarters. The victims were Larry Jeff eight, and his brother, Matt, who was five. Lewis Robert Hill, who was 10, and Lester Watson, who was also 10. So these boys are around the age of my kids. And even, even the, that it was in 1968, knowing that this type of shit happened, like, it makes me not want to let my kids go out and play no. anymore. It makes my me... Kids would be in, my kids would be Bubble Boy. <laughs> that Bubble was Boy. Really I've never seen the full movie. I've seen parts of it. My kids would be Bubble Boy with a fucking padlock on the outside. I can see that. <laughs> I mean, you live a fucking children's life anyway. Shut up. <laughs> um, apparently, there was no attempt to cover... Or bury the bodies at all. So he just basically he just tossed left them. Um, Oates had a history of sexual and physical assault. Um, I'm not sure if this was in weeks leading up to this or if it was before this, um, but he tried to sexually assault three girls and or check, checking myself, (laughs) two young girls and three other boys. He was also charged with attempted murder and molestation of four other young males, three of which were 10 and one was seven. Oates was sent to a mental hospital where they deemed him unfit to stand trial. And to this day, his address is at Clifton T. Perkins Hospital Center. And he makes regular petitions for his release. Okay, so he's of sound mind. Um, the last... That's what that yes. says to me. The last being in 2009. In August of 2010, he was denied again. So... If you're making petitions to be released from something that classifies you as a fucking monster piece of shit, what makes you think that doing it over and over and over again is going to make someone change their mind? You murdered four boys. You attempted to murder other children and molest other children. You took their their boyhood from them literally literally what makes you think that it's okay and you're going to be able to get out i hope you rot because that is bullshit uh, clearly he's a sound mind enough to 
know that he can ask for all these appeals, right? But not enough to the point where he knows it's going to get fucking denied because you're a garbage human. Right. So. And uh, you are trash, sir. I'm sorry. No, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Garbage human. End of story. Okay, are you ready for a creepy ghost story? Uh-huh. I'm going to make you guess this one again. Hey, it. <laughs> it's in Wilder, Kentucky. Hmm. Oh. So the owners of this building were on Jerry Springer in 1991. That tells me, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure most of Kentucky was. That was fucking rude. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Everybody's going to yell at us because we're cussing too much. <laughs> In 2006, it was on Is It Real and A Haunting. Mm. 2008 was Ghost Adventures. Waverly Hills? No. no. Was that even in Kentucky? I don't know. I don't it's on my list, but I don't know where it is. Oh, it is. 2009, it was Most Terrifying Places in America. Hmm. 2010, there was a three-part series by Ghost Adventure. Shocker. Shocker. Um. 2011, Ghost Hunters, which is my favorite paranormal show. It was until they decided to just yeah. be assholes. Yeah. 2018 was Paranormal Lockdown. This place is fucking creepy. I feel like it's a mental hospital. It is not. Can't confirm. It is not. 2019 was Portals to Hell. Fuck! I should know this! I watched all of those! <sighs> You're gonna kick yourself in the ass when I tell you what it is. Probably. Come on, out with it. Bobby Mackey's Music World. <sighs> <laughs> I love this story. It's fucked up. I love it. It is. It's a very, very, very messed up story, but I love it. So we're going to start with the history of the property before Bobby Mackey's was even a thing, before the building was even a thing. So in 1850, it was a slaughterhouse and a meatpacking facility. In the lowest part of the building, they dug a well to dispose of the blood and organs from animals that were butchered there. The blood and organs went into the river that runs behind the property. Of course it does. Um, this river runs in the opposite direction that normal rivers run for some reason. Mm -hmm. So they think that's part of why this place is so haunted and with such dark entities. So it closed in the 1890s. Um, after it closed, some believe that Satan's used the building for rituals because of all the blood and fantastic guts that went down into that hole. Um, they believed it had become a gateway to hell. I mean, which I mean, because blood guts animals, you know, could be you know sacrifices. Yeah. 
1896 is where we're at now. Um, the headless body of Pearl Bryan, who is a pregnant 22-year-old from Greencastle, Indiana, was found in a field about two miles from the abandoned slaughterhouse. Pearl was pregnant. Um, her boyfriend, Scott Jackson, and his roommate, Alonzo Walling, were students at the University of Cleveland, I believe. I think it was Cleveland? Cincinnati, I'm sorry. University of Cincinnati. They were going for dentistry before I tell you this next part, okay? They're going for dentistry. They tried to convince Pearl to come down to Cincinnati to perform an abortion on her. Dentistry. Riddle me that. Well, that might be seen as controversial. I'd almost rather a dentist do it than somebody using a pillow. Touche. But I am fully against abortions. Um, they ended up coming to her. Um, they attempted to do the abortion but ended up killing her. So in an attempt to cover their tracks, they it's believed that they cut off her head and threw her head into the well in the basement of the slaughterhouse. Oh, Right. So, there's that. <laughs> that escalated way too quickly. Yes. Um, while waiting at the gallows, because they were obviously found and convicted for their crime, um, Jackson, and, right, Jackson and Walling vowed that they would haunt the area forever. Oh. Not that you deserve to haunt the area. No. Because no, you're both human garbage. But, you know. Absolutely. What do I know? Um, Pearl said was never found, so they believe that Jackson and Walling were involved in satanic rituals, and that's why they think her head went down the well, and yeah, yeah. possible, it would make sense, mm-hmm. but I mean, I doubt her head rolled, because <laughs> Zach Bagans. <laughs> When they went to investigate this place, they went down the tube yeah. from the river and followed it as far as they could, and they ended up in the bottom of this thing, like the bottom of this well. It was a good at least 100 feet. So you're telling me that her head rolled. Yeah, from what? It sounds like, um, crap. He's an NFL announcer. Reminds me of the, uh... Joe Brady, Brady. That's what I'm thinking. Um, in the 1940s, Cincinnati mobsters tried to take over the club. So that went well, obviously. Um, Brady refused to sell it to them. Is that what's his livelihood? Uh, mobsters were threatening and hurting customers in the parking lot, uh-huh. which Brady did not like. So in 1946, he drew a gun on Albert Red Masterson, who was a mobster and was charged with attempted murder and left the business. Yeah. Uh, 1950s, the building was reopened and renamed the Latin Quarter. So there was a young dancer that was the daughter of the owner. Um, Her name was Joanna. She was a dancer at the club. She falls in love with Robert Randall, who was at the club. So, you know, Young love, they want to run away together. Absolutely. Daddy doesn't want to happen. 
and uses his criminal connections. <laughs> uses his criminal connections to have Randall killed. So, um, they intended to run away together. Randall was killed. Here we are. Um, Joanna ended up poisoning her father and then committed suicide in the basement by the well. Because, you know, poetic justice. Um, 1978, after a series of shootings in the area, authorities were forced to close the Latin Quarter down, which would make sense. On to Bobby Mackey. Fun tip. Uh, Bobby's Mackey. Blah, 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 blah. I quit. Bobby Mackey's full name is Robert Randall Mackey. Robert Randall was the singer that was killed. Yeah, not a coincidence at all. So his mother had originally named him Randy, but changed it to Robert Randall Mackey a day after he was born. So divine intervention. Something like that. If but you, Bobby Mackey doesn't believe in all the shit that's happening here. Right. I mean, if you believe in that thing, that right there is the perfect case of divine intervention. You are meant to be where you are placed. Mm-hmm. Everything happens for a reason. I do not believe in coincidence at all. So where are we at? Uh, 1978, Bobby Mackey purchases the building and made it into the music hall that it is today. Um, in 2010, Mackey and his wife wrote a song about Joanna which is actually a really good song. And it pretty much covers everything I've talked about. I mean, yes and no. I mean, not everybody that died there was malicious. No, but at the same time, having them right next to each other. Sure. Um, there was a former caretaker named Carl Lawson that lived in the apartment above the hall. He claimed that he was possessed by a demon from this place. And he was the subject of a six hour exorcism that took place in the apartment above the (laughs) the hall. Sorry, but six hours is a long time. I mean, I don't know how long exorcisms take. Don't ask me, but. But that just seems like a really long time. Right. Right. <laughs> all the creepy stuff that's happening and like all the like Pearl Bryan and the satanic shenanigans going on in the basement. Right. So that's all the history that I could find. Um, now we're moving on to hauntings and experiences. So some believe the basement still holds the portal to hell because of the well. <laughs> hell, well. <laughs> um because of the well, they think that it's still a portal to hell and satanic cults still try to break in. Um, Sets of stairs, there's a set of stairs in the basement by the well that go up into the ceiling that go absolutely nowhere. So people think that is the stairway to heaven and you can hear footsteps going up those stairs. After the exorcism was complete, he had no recollection of the exorcism or events prior. I mean, kind of sounds like our story from the last episode. Yeah. They didn't remember. Um, after the exorcism, an entire wall caught on fire for absolutely no reason, and they had to call a fire department. 
I mean, it is an old building. It could be just an electrical fire. Could have been electrical. But what are the odds of that? There are no coincidences. Right. Um, sadly, Carl passed away in January of 2012. Um, they do have a memorial inside the building for him. Um, and people say that he's now joined the ranks of ghosts slash entities, whatever you want to call them, that haunt Bobby Mackey's. I can believe it. Which would suck. Yeah. You were possessed by something that lives there. Mm-hmm. And Maybe then you that die. something wanted to bring him in the afterlife. That's a hard no for me. Well, obviously. Right. <laughs> Um, Janet Mackey, which is Bobby's wife, claims to have been pushed down the stairs by Alonzo Walling. If you remember, that was the roommate of Pearl Bryan's boyfriend. Right. So, that's fun. But how do they know that it's actually those people? Well, then let me get there. Okay. So- <laughs> <laughs> I will just sit here So drink my water then. There were sketches of Alonzo, and that's how she ended. Okay. Um, photos of Pearl Bryan match descriptions of a headless ghost seen near the building. Which, if I she wasn't found in the building, so it would make sense that she was around it instead of in it. If I saw a headless anything walking around, I mean, unless it's nearly headless Nick, I might. <laughs> <laughs> I might run the other way. Right. Um, hot spots in the building include the spotlight room, the catwalk, the well in the basement, obviously, the old china room. Yes. I think and, that was like my favorite room when they were doing their walkthroughs. And the platform near the kitchen. So the club manager refuses to return. On several occasions, she would go through the club and turn everything off and unplug everything that needed to be unplugged. Only to return in the morning to the door unlocked, lights on, the unplugged jukebox playing the anniversary waltz. That gave me chills. Mind you, anniversary waltz is not on that jukebox. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Well Well, then. Another employee has seen an angry man behind the bar speaking to a female who called herself Joanna. Um, The employee said the female leaves a strong rose scent in her wake, and Joanna was known to wear rose perfume. Okay. And my last little tidbit is Douglas Hensley, who is Mackie's friend, authored Hell's Gate, which is a book correlating the history and experiences of Bobby Mackie's music. You need to tell me all this shit's going on. And he doesn't believe a word of it. Some people are like that, though. Some people are very, very skeptical. Your wife was pushed down the stairs by Alonzo Walling. <laughs> who cut somebody's fucking head off. <laughs> and threw it in a well. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I mean, I get where he's coming from. Maybe if he doesn't believe it, it doesn't really happen. Or maybe by leaving himself believing that it's not real, he doesn't get affected by it. I didn't see any experiences that he had. But I'm pretty sure he's never openly discussed anything that's ever happened to him that's strange or weird. I couldn't find anything that he had any experiences. It makes me want to go back and watch 
all of it. I want to go there. I do too. Um, speaking of doing our own little paranormal tours, I think we should take our men and <laughs> go check out a couple places. Um, I know in later episodes we are going to talk about you know possible haunted places in Indiana. One of them being Wolf Mansion and Portage. Um, I want to see if I can schedule a tour for one of the weekends we have off. Yeah. And see if maybe we can convince the owner to let us be like locked down in there for a couple hours at night. Um, I'm yes. You have to bring the rods. So, speaking of the rods, and for sake of giving you guys a deeper look into our personalities and how we are with perceiving the paranormal, um, Bobby Mackey's left me, like our discussion tonight left me with chills. I don't get chills very often talking about things. Um, even with the demon house, I only experienced chills when I was talking about it twice. Like my hair has been standing on end the entire <laughs> time we've been talking about this. Um, it's because it's just, it's an odd situation. You have, you know, this well that was used to basically dispose of body parts. Human uh, and animal. Yeah. And... <laughs> There's no telling if they were involved in satanic rituals at any given time or anything like that. Um, there are experiences that we've had together, mind you, and we're both sitting there looking at each other like, did you just fucking see that? Did you hear that? Like, there's things that go on around both of us, even when we're apart that can't be explained. Um, so for us to maybe go and visit these places and have similar experiences, we can give you guys another look into how we interact with the paranormal. I am not an empath by any means. However, I have been, I don't wanna say haunted, but I've been followed by spirits since I was a kid. Um, I had an experience staying the night at my great aunt's house with my cousins. And we were telling ghost stories, thinking nothing of it. And my cousin had an imaginary friend named Birdie. Birdie followed me home and attached himself to me for almost six years. He wasn't malicious, but that night, like I instantly had like this fear and I called my grandma. It was like two o'clock in the morning. Called my grandma who lives across the street from my grand aunt and had her turn the porch light on so I could walk home and wait for me. And I slept in between her and my grandpa that night. I was like 10. Gave zero fucks. 
stayed <laughs> stayed there until you know the next morning when I felt safe again. Um, but he attached to me because he followed me to make sure I was safe, and he stayed with me until I was like sixteen, I think. We'll do an episode of so, our personal experiences and how we perceive things as far as paranormal and that was just one of many. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Both of us have a shit ton. But when we when we do these episodes and we talk about certain cases, we're gonna get sidetracked. We're gonna, you know, rope in some type of personal either A, experience, or B, how we're feeling in that moment, um, like we did today. So. Yeah. Um, if you have any personal stories or case suggestions for us, just send us an email. Um, if you do send us a listener story, make sure you put listener story in the subject so I can sort through them. And as soon as we get enough to start doing listener stories, we'll do one probably once a month-ish um, and see where we go from there. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Yes, I always forget about Instagram. It's 10 spelled out, underscore, zero spelled out, underscore, podcast. Um, if you don't want to email us, you can always message us on the Instagram page, and we will make sure to add your stories or suggestions to our list. Um that's all I got. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Stay safe. And don't become the next 10-0.